Hi everyone, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. I'm Vince Leo, I am the writer for the film website called Quipster.net. I invite you to check out that website for over 4,000 of my written reviews, including the film I'm about to do today. Quipster.net is where to go. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Don't forget, I also do other podcasts as well, including new movies. Just look for the Quipster Film Review Podcast on whatever platform that you're listening to this to. Or you can go to InSessionFilm.com because I am the co-host of the In Session Film Extra Film segments for that show. InSessionFilm.com for more details. Today I'm going to be reviewing a film called Lady Hawk. It's a fantasy adventure from 1985. And unlike the other films that I've done so far on this podcast, this is not a film that I watched as a youth. In fact, I have never seen Lady Hawk before, even though I have heard much about it and had quite a few friends who've seen it and had middling reactions, depending on who it was, to it. You would think this would be right up my alley because it is an 80s film and it has a pretty appealing cast here. It's directed by Richard Donner, one of my favorite directors from the 1980s, and I really love fantasy adventures as well, which is why we're doing them here. So why didn't I catch up with this? I don't know. I just never got around to it. I've been meaning to, and finally I have an excuse to do it. I have no reason not to do it now, so I'm happy to bring it to you today. It is a PG-13 rated film. It does have quite a bit of violence in it. There's some brief nudity in here and mild language, and it runs two hours and one minute. The main cast includes the trio of Matthew Broderick, Rutger Hauer, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Some supporting roles going to Leo McKern, John Wood, and Ken Hutchison. Alfred Molina is also in this film in a very small role. The screenplay is by Edward Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Tom Mankiewicz who all worked on this film separately, three different passes. Edward Camaro came up with the original story and the original script that was tinkered with quite a lot, mostly to make it a little bit funnier. This one's set in France during the Middle Ages, the medieval period. Philippe the Mouse Gaston, played by Matthew Broderick, he's this convicted pickpocket who escapes from a castle dungeon. He then gets involved in this bitter feud between a powerful scheming bishop Bishop of Aquila, who actually put Philippe in that prison, and two lovers, a former captain of the guard named Etienne of Navarre, played by Rutger Hauer, and a lady named Isabeau Dianjou, that's Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, who were cursed with dark magic when the bishop, who also fancies Isabeau, finds out of their union. The spell transforms Navarre into a wolf by night, and the lady into a hawk by day, so they can only really ever see each other very briefly in their human form at dawn or at dusk. And it has made them quite miserable. Navarre wants revenge. Isabeau really just wants the curse lifted. And the bishop wants to see an end to that. So he can have Isabeau to himself, I presume. And as I mentioned, Richard Donner is the director. He directed a lot of really good films. Superman primarily before this. And we had the Lethal Weapon series, of course, sometime later. We also had The Goonies came out a year after this. So Quite a lot of well-known films, especially during the 1980s. This is a fantasy adventure. It does have a romantic backstory to it. I don't think it ranks among Richard Donner's finest of efforts if you're going to judge it with a critical eye, but I do think that this is a film that definitely has gained a following among those who were captured by its stylized legend and a very unique aesthetic appeal. The Italian vistas, the outdoor color schemes are particularly striking in this film. Certainly it has a unique look among its contemporary films in the 1980s. Although you could say that uh, Edward Camaro's original script planned to be a little bit darker. Donner had the script retooled to include much more of that humor I was talking about. 
especially in the form of Philippe the Mouse and his constant chatter. He's always having this ongoing dialogue with God, and he has a lot of penchant for getting himself into some nasty scrapes. A little bit comical in terms of the violence that erupts due to those scrapes. Matthew Broderick is here ostensibly to provide that comic relief. He puts in a very impressive physical performance. His comedic talents, though, I do think are a bit wasted because he doesn't have good material to elicit quality laughs within the script. And those persistent and nearly unintelligible mumblings to God are supposed to be part of that comedy, but he's definitely miscast. Donner had originally tried to cast Sean Penn in the role. Penn was unavailable. And Broderick's attempt at some sort of accent is very inconsistent. It's hard to tell what he's saying sometimes, and it's difficult to discern just what he's going for in terms of what nationality he is. Is he British? Is he American? It makes him stick out even further because it's too modern in its characterization among a cast of characters who are meant to embody the spirit of olden tales. The script does dabble with making Philippe the potential suitor at some point for Isabeau. I do think that that's such a mismatch. There's little tension that develops in wondering if he's going to succeed in winning her hand out from under Navarre. It's kind of set up to be that way, but we never buy it, so it just feels like an unnecessary distraction from the plot. Kurt Russell was originally supposed to star in this film, not in Philippe the Mouse's role, but in the role of Navarre. He left the production prior to principal shooting due to creative differences with Richard Donner. And so Rutger Hauer ended up filling in for Kurt Russell. Rutger Hauer was originally approached to be in Lady Hawk. He was actually asked to play the evil captain of the guard named Marquette. He turned down that because he had played too many villain roles. He He really wanted to play Navarre at the time, but was also turned down. He does fit the bill, I do think. He provides a good presence. He has intensity as the gallant knight. And that would prove to be quite a year for medieval films for Rutger Hauer. He also starred in Paul Verhoeven's Flesh and Blood that was released a few months later in 1985. Michelle Pfeiffer is also here. She had her difficulties with Richard Donner as well, but she did remain on the set to finish this film. She's very alluring, at least in her physical presence, very striking in her role. Her part does seem a little bit underwritten as compared to the other lead male characters. And that relegates the part as one that doesn't really utilize Michelle Pfeiffer's pretty formidable acting talent as much as you would hope if you're a fan of Michelle Pfeiffer. She's mostly here. She kind of fits the role, but she doesn't really provide much more than that because she's not asked for much more than that. And although this film is set during the medieval period, rather than some sort of mystical, magical age of lore, there's still a quality to Lady Hawk that makes it play as if it's detached from the rest of the world as we know it. It has black magic, it has human-to-animal transformations. Nevertheless, we're told that we're in France during that period, and yet there's not much about the story or setting that seems particularly French other than the names. And this is a feeling which is further compounded by a complete lack of French actors in any significant role. In fact, most of the film is shot in Italy with a mostly Italian crew. It does lend the production a very different feel than a traditional Hollywood production. It feels like a European film in every way except for the appearance of Matthew Broderick and Michelle Pfeiffer within it. The fight scenes, especially those involving swordplay, they're very nicely choreographed. The stunt work is great in this film, many of which used the real actors. It's good to see Matthew Broderick there doing something very physical here. He's quite good, at least in that physical role, even if he's not really fitting in with the mood of the film. And unfortunately, not as good are the film's special effects, especially in the ways it showcases the transformations between 
going from human to animal form. They're mostly done with editing, some lighting effects, some montage to the point you can't even tell exactly how those transformations occur. It looks like they make an attempt here, but they didn't really either have the funds or the know-how to do those transformations, and they did it the best they can, but it doesn't quite work in the way that you would expect. The scenes with the real animals, the ones that are not horses anyway, feel like they're injected into the film rather than organic because you can practically sense the animal handler standing anxiously just out of frame. The hawks that they use in this film or even the canines here that are meant to represent the wolves are, they're not really trained to do much within the course of the film. They're just there to do whatever they do. They edit it in such a way to make it seem like they're part of the action, even though they're just not really. And that doesn't always keep with the momentum of the story. It has this pondering on the technical aspects of having these animals in the film. And unfortunately, they don't really enhance the movie other than the fact that they are real animals and not some sort of special effects creation, I guess, most of the time. And though the film does have a good deal of action and a few moments of bloody violence, I think Richard Donner's film reaches out much more toward female audiences than most of the sword and sorcery films that had been popular, especially in the early 1980s. And it gives a sizable part to Michelle Pfeiffer, even though she's still, as I mentioned, underutilized. And this story that strikes for a lot more emotional connections than just the standard revenge plot that usually permeates these films. That, and coupled with Philippe the Mouse and his bumbling antics, has Donner trying to dip into the younger viewer market, too, here. Many of the sword and sorcery films were R-rated in that era. They didn't market toward the younger audience, or even the female audience particularly. So they were trying to do something different here. I think they were, maybe they even overextended themselves in what they wanted to do. And that landed to the problems with the tone of the movie at times as well, as far as I'm concerned. I think if you're going to ask anybody what's the weakest part of Lady Hawk, it's the dated nature of it when it comes to its score. It has rock synth compositions from Andrew Powell. He's of the Alan Parsons Project. It relegates the film into this 80s film, much more so than a timeless tale befitting of the scope of this age-old type story. That, combined with those aforementioned questionable casting choices and the awkwardness in its pacing and its story developments make it feel more like a production that changed directions a number of times during the development and during shooting than it does a fully realized vision from the outset. It is very uneven in that way, and even the attempt at a powerhouse ending seems to lack a certain cohesion with the rest of the film. It comes across often as stiff and confusing. There's only a handful of the guards taking on Navarre, and they're doing it one at a time, while the rest of them are just standing around and watching this. Even the bishop is only staring without much reaction, nothing to say, and just seems kind of weird and off-putting. You don't understand what's going on there. They make it so easy for Navarre to come in and get that ending that we're expecting, but from a logical standpoint, it just doesn't seem to work. And there are a number of fans of Lady Hawk, to be sure, especially those people who saw it as a kid. Like I said, you know, I'm into my mid to late 40s here and catching this for the first time. This movie is not one of those beloved children's films for me that I grew up loving and watching multiple times. This is a first time watch. Look, I'm not going to take anything away from you if you're a fan of this film. Certainly its imagery, its romanticized air is appealing. I just find the storytelling a bit too choppy. The editing, the character issues are too profound for me to give it an earnest recommendation, despite recognizing that there are charming elements to it. 
There's a lot here that I do admire. I just wish that it was able to come together into a satisfying whole. So I can't really give Lady Hawk the kind of recommendation that I have been giving to all of these films that I've been reviewing so far. So I'm a bit mixed on Lady Hawk, at least on this first time watch. Maybe I'll come around to it at some point a little bit more like the fans of it have been championing for a while. But for right now, I'm going to give Lady Hawk two and a half stars out of four. Two and a half stars on my scale means that there's something lacking here that keeps me from being able to give it a solid recommendation. And that thing that's lacking for me is that consistency, as I mentioned. There are just too many elements here that don't mesh together in a way that would make for that satisfying whole, as I mentioned. It's just very piecemeal in its approach. And I can pick and choose the things I like. And then there are these other things I don't really think work. And the result is a two and a half star film. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. Even if you were a big fan of Lady Hawk and were anticipating a big gushing review, I'm sorry I didn't get to provide that. I can only relate my personal experience with that, but I am interested in hearing what you have to say if you want to write to me and let me know why I'm wrong or maybe even say you do agree. You can do so by going to my website, finding my contact information. That's at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. As for the next review, we're going to continue in the realm of 80s fantasy films with Labyrinth. That was a film that I caught. I was about 16 years old when I watched that film. And spoiler alert in terms of how I feel about that film, it's a movie I've watched probably about 20 times over the years. So uh, unlike Lady Hawk, you know that this one is a beloved film for me. And I will be talking about that in my next review. Thanks, everyone, for joining me on this journey. And I hope that you'll continue by clicking that subscribe button because I'm going to be going forward into the 1980s quite deeply. And as we go along, we will go all around the world. We'll get into some foreign films and such as well after we get out of some of the more popular films that I want to cover just to kind of lay the groundwork. And so until next week, thank you, everyone. And I'll talk to you again soon. Hi, everyone. I'm joined here by my daughter, Lily, who watched Lady Hawk. It's a little bit more violent than I was hoping, necessarily. I guess it is a PG-13 rated film, but Lily came through with it okay. I think the only time that you were afraid was when the animals were in trouble. In fact, there's a scene in here, right, in which uh, the hawk gets shot by an arrow, and you were not as happy about that. But you, you made it through that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You were worried about the hawk? Yes. Yeah. Lily loves animals, so any film that has animals in jeopardy is not going to be an exciting experience for Lily. So what did you think about Lady Hawk? Did you like the movie? Yeah. Yeah? What did you like the most about it? I liked the most about the hawk. The hawk? You really loved the hawk? Yeah. You wanted more hawk action? Uh-huh. Yeah. What did you like most about the hawk? I like most about the hawk is that it could fly. So any any flying animals, they're usually your favorite? Mm-hmm. So if you had to choose between becoming a hawk in the daytime or becoming a wolf at night, what would you rather do? A hawk. Yeah, how come? Because then I could see the sunset. You could see the sunset, and you would probably get out of having to go to kindergarten, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you rather be a hawk and fly around than have to go to school? School is boring. <laughs> do you think that being a hawk would be exciting? Yeah. How come? Because I can fly. You could fly. And then what would you do that would be so exciting about flying? Where are you going to go? 
see the sunset and go different places because then you could fly over the ocean and see different animals. Now, the only problem with seeing the sunset as the hawk in Lady Hawk is that that's the time when you transform into a human. So when it gets to sunset, you better be on the ground, I guess, right? Because mm-hmm. you're going to be turning into a human and you don't want to uh, do that while you're in the midair. Hey, now. <laughs> now, what would you do if you were a wolf at night? I would howl at the moon. You'd howl at the moon. You know, Lily, if you turn into a wolf, you're going to have to kind of go outside because, you know, we have two cats. The kitties are not going to like having a wolf in the house. Mm -hmm. And I certainly am not going to like having a wolf that's going to be howling at the moon all night. I got to get my (laughs) sleeve. I got to work the next day, Lily. So what are you going to do when you're a wolf? I would crawl around and wake you up so you could give me wolf food. <laughs> okay, wolf food. What do wolves eat? Besides our kitties, what are chicken. you going to eat? Chicken. Chicken. So we have to keep chickens around. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is going to be very expensive having our own collection of animals in the house. <laughs> Especially when the wolf is eating all of them every single day. <laughs> so I think keeping you as a hawk would probably be better. Is there anything you don't like about the movie? Um, yes. What? When they kiss. Oh, no. Yucky kissing. It is kind of a romantic movie. Is it too much? Too much. Well, one day you'll like the kissing. I won't. Yuck. (laughs) So, what do you give Lady Hawk on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, 11. 11. All right. We're back to 11. That's... You like it as much as The Princess Bride? Yeah. Really? Oh, my gosh. Lily... Like I said, we have different experiences with this movie. Although both Princess Bride and this were mostly a first-time watch for you. So. And the Jedi. The Jedi, yes. Return of the Jedi also got... No, actually, you gave that one a 12. You liked that one uh, more than yeah. one. So, until next time, say goodbye to everybody, Lily. Bye-bye. Oh.